0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. Join us now for Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. When I think of great voices, I think of Bishop Sheen, and it was his voice that touched the hearts of millions of souls through his radio addresses and his television programs. And we'd like to share a few of those reflections with you today. So I would invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. And uh want to, of course, uh, welcome any new listeners who have tuned in to our program today. Uh, we've been on the air for well over three years now here on Radio Maria Canada, sharing the wit and wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And, uh, you know, sometimes we might repeat the odd, uh, I want to say podcast, but, um, you know, with Bishop Sheen, uh, again, I think it's always good to replay some of his lessons, um, because they're that good. They're uh, life lessons for us. And um, we haven't uh, played this um, recording for quite some time. It's uh, Archbishop Sheen giving a talk on the rosary. And uh, I know that uh, typically we tend to spend the month of May and October uh, focusing in on the rosary. And uh, we're in the summer months right now and uh but again, the rosary is good twelve months of the year, and we always need to uh, learn a little bit more about this great devotion. so uh, Archbishop Sheen will share a few reflections on the rosary today. so, uh, I ask you to continue to pray for us here at Radio Maria, Canada. Uh, we of course, have been uh, dealing with this global uh, situation. Um, I don't like to use the word pandemic because, um, you know, it seems kind of severe. Um, I'm still of the opinion that, um, again, there's many viruses that are out there, uh, many flus. Um, yes, some of them are more serious than others. Uh, but again, uh, the good Lord is in control. And so we have to remain calm and I'm grateful that many of the churches are reopening and, um, We're coming back to uh, a little bit of the devotional life that we're used to. Uh, I have even seen a few small processions here and there. And uh, again, let us continue to ask God to uh, send his uh, merciful glance upon us and know that our Blessed Mother is here to uh, see us through uh, these challenging times. And so let us uh, now uh, listen to the wit and wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen as he gives us a reflection on the rosary.
1: Bishop Shad and fathers and sisters and all friends in Christ. He told you my age, and I will now give you the secret. I use palm olive soap. there is also another secret. How do we... I didn't intend to talk about this, but here I am. He brought up the subject. How do we judge age? We judge age by the distance from the source of life. Our parents. For example, a boy of ten is older than a boy of eight because he's two years more distant from the source of life his parents. Or to put it in other words, a boy of eight is younger because he's closer to the source of life his parents. Now we have another source of life, which is God. So the closer that we get to God, the younger we become. On the day that Saints' Day die, we call that their birthday. Natalizia. Birthday. They were born to the Lord. So at any rate, I've been trying all these years to get a little closer to the Lord. And if I am, then I'm in a nursery. The subject that I have chosen to talk about at this conference is the Rosary. That means, of course, the Blessed Mother, but not exclusively. As the Church ceases to be holy, it loses the love of the Blessed Mother. And the more we return to a love of the Blessed Mother, the more we love the Church. Because the Blessed Mother is the symbol of the Church. As a matter of fact, on the cross, our Lord was the new Adam and she was the new Eve. He was the bridegroom and she was the bride. Being the Church. Now, the rosary as we know it, we generally have, of course, just the five decades. But it's a prayer that has a beautiful combination. I don't think there's any prayer in the world that has the combination of the rosary. First of all, it is vocal. We say some prayers with our lips. Secondly, it's mental. Because as we say, for example, the Hail Mary, we are not so much concentrating on the Hail Mary. We are thinking about the mystery. I will explain those later on. It's very much as if we were in a theater. And there was beautiful music in back of a speaking voice. Now, the speaking voice is the Hail Mary. The music behind it is the meditation. Then, in addition to the mental, the prayer, the thought, and the vocal, the prayer itself, there is the physical. The movement of the fingers over the beads. Did you know that after World War I... One of the therapies that was used for soldiers was to teach them knitting. It seemed as if nervous energy of the body passed out through the fingers as it actually does. So the very movement of the fingers is in itself a kind of a cure. And furthermore, the combination of these three make the perfect prayer Uh, one missionary told me that when he was in prison in China he was in a very narrow cell and he was not allowed any reading of any kind and could not have a rosary but he found in the cell on the floor a small piece of bamboo and he broke it up into ten pieces And he would put the ten pieces of bamboo at one end of the cell. And then, as he said the rosary, he would move one piece of bamboo over to the other side of the cell. The jailer thought he was crazy. But it was that that kept him sane. Some Protestant missionaries from China told me that they envied the priest because they were so tortured in prison. It was very difficult to say prayers. You know, when you've had a high fever, you will recall it was difficult to pray. But when you had something in your hand, like a rosary, you were able to concentrate more. And these Protestant missionaries said they envied the priests who could say the rosary and therefore have a sequence of prayer which was denied them on account of the tortures they suffered. I had a convert a few years ago, he was a soldier in the German army. He told me that he was in a shell hole with a number of German soldiers who were Catholic. And he says, these German soldiers, constantly under shell fire, kept saying the rosary. He was a Jew. So he learned, after a while, how to say the rosary, just by listening to them. But he never joined in. And a shell hit them, and all everyone was killed except himself. And he picked up the rosary, and something told him to leave that shell hole. And he left it, went to another, and. A voice said, get out of this shell hole, and immediately there was an explosion. He went to four or five different shell holes, received a voice warning, leave it. And each time that he left it, a shell exploded there, and he promised that if his life was spared, he would become a Catholic. And he came to me to receive instructions. I was instructing a class in Washington, D.C., convert class of about four or five hundred people and after one of the instructions on the rosary a young man and young woman came to me and neither of them were catholic and she was the lady. she said well I've heard this instruction on the rosary now I never will be a catholic because I don't believe that anybody who keeps saying the same thing over and over again is sincere I would never believe him and I said who's this young man with you? she said my fiancé I said does he love you? she said yes I said how do you know? he told me When did he tell you? We're coming here to this hall. Did he tell you before? Yes, he told me last night when we had a date. Did he ever tell you before that? Yes, every night he tells me he loves me. I said, I wouldn't believe him. I don't think he's sincere. Now, I said, that's exactly what the rosary is. We are in a new moment of time. And a new moment of space. So we keep saying to our Lord and to the Blessed Mother, I love you, I love you. I'm going to explain now the whole 15 mysteries. That, as I see it, is going to take an hour and 48 minutes. No, not really. The three great mysteries are the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious. The joyful is about the mystery of being a Christian. The sorrowful, the mystery of suffering. And the glorious, the mystery of our faith. Now, to explain the three, I will try to explain them as a unit. The joyful mysteries, you know what they are the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Nativity, Birth of Our Lord, Presentation at the Temple and the finding of our Lord in the temple. These joyful mysteries are the mystery of being a Christian. In the joyful mysteries, God sends out an angel that passes over the plains of Estrella, comes to a virgin kneeling in prayer, and says, Will you give me, give God, a human nature, God wishes to become a man. And the Blessed Mother, when told that it would happen through the Holy Spirit, said she would give God a human nature. Now something like that has happened to each and every one of us. One day, Christ says to us, Will you give me your human nature? Mary gave me hers. And that human nature that she gave me was united substantially with my divinity. Now yours will not be united in the same way, but it will be united with grace. So if you will give me your human nature, our Lord says to us, I will work through you. That's the way I work through the human nature that Mary gave me. The human nature that Our Our Lady gave Our Lord was very much like this pencil in my hand. Here I have a personality. Pencil is, is not a person, it's a nature. And when God's person, second person of Trinity, came down and took that human nature... That human nature that our blessed Lord took was so flexible in his hand that he did everything in accordance with the will of the Father. So when God asks you, as he did, for your human nature, he wanted you to be like this pencil in my hand. If I want this pencil to write the word God, it will write the word God. it's that flexible suppose this pencil had a will of its own and said I want to do my thing and when I wanted to write the word God suppose it wanted to write the word flee I couldn't do anything with it useless pencil so if we're perfect Christians Like our Blessed Mother gave the human nature to our Lord, we give our human nature to our Lord, and he uses us. Now, you often wonder, why, for example, do some people have more influence than others as Christians? It's because they're more closely united with our Blessed Lord. He can do anything with them. And that's what makes us happy. For example, this, my finger upright is the will of God. My finger horizontal is my will. When I put my will against the will of God, what do I get? I get a cross. In psychological language, that's a complex. I get all crossed up. That's one of the reasons why so many people are mentally disturbed. They're they're disobeying God's laws. And they're upset on the inside. So as we say these glorious mysteries, we have the Annunciation, the Lord saying, Will you give me your human nature? The Incarnation, we give it. And as Mary presented the human nature of our Lord to the Heavenly Father, she really abdicated her child. In a certain sense, she gave up her motherhood. She just simply said, whatever God's will is, that'll be my will. And then she became, because she was so closely united with our Lord, she became at that moment the mother of sinners. Now that's a title which seems difficult to understand because our Blessed Lady was immaculately conceived. What does she know about sin? She knows a great deal about it. What is sin? Sin is the loss of God. Now, our Blessed Mother lost her Divine Son for three days. And she came to know what sin was. Every boy at the age of twelve thinks of of running away from home and the divine child thought of the same thing and he ran away from home at the age of 12 and she found him in the temple and the Blessed Mother is always seeking us out as the mother of sinners so when we give ourselves to her and abdicate our own will even if we should get a bit off the road she runs after us Now, I am distracted for the moment. I wish you two children would come over and sit down here. Hmm? Come on, I don't like to see you stand. These are the 75-cent seats. They're so the best seats we have. And they have cushions on them, my girls. And the other people don't have cushions. That's right. Sit down there. Down. You need Neil, Sit. That's right. Is anyone else who would like a 75-cent seat, they're very welcome also. Now I'll tell you a story to illustrate what it means to be a Christian and how the Blessed Mother seeks out souls as she found the child in the temple. On one of my visits to Lourdes, and I've been there 30 times... I went down to the grotto just before leaving. The train left at nine o'clock, and I went down at eight to say goodbye to Our Lady. And then I said this unusual prayer. I said, Blessed Mother, send me some suffering. I want to save a soul. Now, if you think prayers are not answered, you just make a prayer like that, and you'll be surprised how quickly that's answered. So I hurried back to my room at the hotel I ran up the first floor Somebody was following me Ran to the second floor Someone following Third floor Someone following Ran down the corridor to my room Someone following me Turned around It was a young girl about 21, 22 I said, are you following me? She said, yes And I said, why? She said, I don't know I saw you this afternoon in procession and I just decided to follow you. I said, are you making a pilgrimage? No. She said, I'm an atheist. Oh, I said, you're not an atheist. You probably are a fallen away Catholic. Well, she said, maybe, but I'm an atheist now. Why did you come here? She said, I came down with a busload of people from Holland. There were 50 of us. And we were going to the mountains of the Pyrenees and I just decided to stop off here at Lourdes and the other 49 went on to the mountains I said I think you're my trouble and I'm going to stay in Lourdes until I get you back to the faith so I stayed there for three days and finally got her back into the church and then my trouble started now Paris in those days, was about 12 hours from Lourdes on the fast train. I think I got thrown off that train at least a dozen times. I speak French. My tickets were all in order. The conductors would say the tickets were no good. They would put me off in a tiny little town. Restaurants would be closed. Couldn't find a place to sleep it took me three days of torture to get back again to Paris but that was the price that I had to pay for saving the soul so you see the Blessed Mother used me as that little Pittsburgh what was curious about this whole event was we didn't know it at the time but the bus fell off a bridge in the Pyrenees and all the 49 were lost she was the only one who was saved now this is the first mystery the mystery of being a Christian giving ourselves completely to our Lord the second mystery our mystery is sorrowful they reveal to us the mystery of suffering The sorrowful mysteries are the agony in the garden, scourging at the pillar, the crowning of thorns, the carrying of the cross, and the crucifixion. See all suffering. I say the mystery of suffering. We never have suffering explained in the scriptures. God never explains it. And we never have any explanation of evil. It's just there. We are confronted with it. We do not go out to understand it objectively. It's... Evil is very much like a brick through a window. We had never expected it. The very beginning of Genesis... We read, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Then, the next line, there was a chaos and darkness over the earth. Imagine. God makes the earth and then it's a mess. That's just like saying you made an angel cake and it turned out to be devil's food. How did this chaos get into into the universe? We don't know. And in the book of Isaiah, we read, God did not make the world a chaos. I think it was probably due to the fallen angels. When something goes wrong with the big wheels of the universe, then all the little wheels too get out of order. So, evil is just here and suffering. So we ask, we rebel even, and say, well, does God know anything about suffering? Did God ever have a migraine headache? As if his head were crowned with thorns. Does God know anything about hunger? Did he ever go without food for three days? Or seven? Or nine? Does God know anything about thirst? does, Does God know anything about the 50 million refugees at the end of World War II? Was he ever a refugee? Was God ever in prison? Does God know anything about the wounds of those who were brought into the accident wards of hospitals? Does God know the agony of a heartbreak? Yes. God was in Christ taking upon himself the sufferings of the world. Our blessed Lord was our stand-in. He took our place. We deserve death because of sin. Our Lord came and said, I will stand before my Father as the one who was guilty. And all of the punishment that should be meted out to them can now be meted out to me. So that no one can ever say does God know what it is to suffer? We can follow his footprints. It was not anything that he deserved. It was what we deserved. For example, during the last World War, there were some prisoners at the Burma Road. They were under the control of the Japanese. At the end of a work day, Japanese commander found one shovel missing. He said that if the shovel was not returned within five minutes, ten men would be shot. The shovel was not returned within ten minutes. About two minutes before the ten, one man stepped forward. He was clubbed to death. When they got back to camp, they found all the shovels. Thiserz offered himself, though he was not guilty now that's what our Lord did so we meditate in the sorrowful mysteries on the sufferings of our Lord the agony in the garden which was mental the agony in the garden was probably much more terrible than the crucifixion because here you have innocence taking on guilt so that he drew from his body a bloody sweat the scourging of the pillar to make up for all the sins of lust and impurity in the world crowning of thorns to make up for all the sins of pride carrying of the cross for the shifting of responsibilities and finally the crucifixion begging our pardon Father forgive them they know not what they do it was not wisdom that saved it was ignorance so here is the mystery of suffering now let us apply this to ourselves some suffer economically others socially others physically others mentally no one is ever to think that it is because of their sins that they are suffering. But if we apply these mysteries of suffering to ourselves, we will begin to see that God, our Lord, has two attitudes toward us. Over the most of us, he just raises his hand in blessing. some of us he lays his hand touches us and leaves a scar some of us are volunteers those who give their lives in penance for the sins of the world others our Lord conscripts he doesn't ask us will you suffer with me for the redemption of the world no we are just like Simon of Cyrene the long arm of the Roman law reached out to Simon and said carry that cross Simon did not want the shame of carrying a cross then after a while he learned to love it. I said our Lord calls us to suffering now I introduced you in the first conference to Luke now read St. Paul's letter to the Colossians I think it's verse 24 chapter 1 St. Paul wrote this letter from prison and he said I fill up in my flesh The sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ. Think of it. The sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ. Didn't Christ suffer all that he could? Did he not say on the cross, It is finished? How then could St. Paul say, I am completing, I am finishing. The sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ. It's because the sufferings of the individual human nature which our Lord took upon himself, that suffering was completed. But, and I said in the Joyful Mysteries, that all of our human natures are giving themselves to him and we have to relive that law of Calvary. So the sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ are not in his own individual human nature, it's in the Church. And that's why St. Paul completed the passage by saying, I fill up in my flesh the sufferings that are wanting to the Passion of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the Church. A couple of years ago, I was talking to the Holy Father, and I I said, uh, you are well-named Paul. Because I said St. Paul was driven out of Lystra. Derbe and Antioch, a Pisidia, stoned. So you have been stoned by your own. Yes, he said. Every night about midnight, I open my mail. And in almost every letter is a thorn. And at night, I put my head on the crown of thorns. But I can't tell you what joy I have because I fill up in my flesh the sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ. So that our blessed Lord, therefore, is calling certain souls to continue his redemption. And when you visit the sick, ask them to offer up a minute of suffering for you. Much more powerful than a prayer. Because suffering is transferable. Just as you can transfer a debt, the payment of a debt. So sufferings are transferred. Uh, If, for example, I were suffering from anemia doctors would transfuse blood from a healthy patient to me to cure me of that condition. If I burn my face, doctors would graft skin from another part of my body to my face to restore my pristine elegance. Now, if it is possible to graft skin, do you not think it possible to graft prayer? If it is possible to transfuse sufferings, is it not possible to transfuse sacrifice? And that is the great mystery upon which we meditate in those second series. The mystery of suffering. I think the tragedy of life is not so much what people suffer. It's what they miss when they suffer. Now, I can talk about it. I had 12 years of it. Intense suffering. Not physical, but of another kind. And believe me, those are the best 12 years of my life. Because I learned something of the love of God. I became more closely united to him. And it was revealed to me the mystery of continuing the redemption of Christ. Now I could give you many stories about it, but let's see. I started talking at ten past one, and it's a, almost a quarter to two. Ooh. I don't want to be too long. I heard of an Irish family that moved from Dublin to Boston. One of the sons moved to Chicago. The father in Boston died. And the brother in Boston wired the brother, the brother in Chicago wired the brother in Boston and said, what were father's last words? Telegram came back. Father had no last words. Mother was with him to the end. So now we will hurry to the glorious mysteries. The glorious mysteries, the mystery of faith, because they refer to the future. Faith is defined as the evidence of things that appear not. So that for the glorious mysteries you have Resurrection Ascension Descent of the Holy Spirit The Assumption of Our Lady into Heaven And the Crowning of Our Lady As Queen of the Angels and Saints I once instructed This story just now comes to me Mrs. Irving Cobb Those of you who are 39 Will remember the humorist Irving Cobb And he died an atheist But his wife, Mrs. Irving Cobb, and his daughter, I instructed for the church, Buffy Cobb. And Mrs. Cobb came to the baptism of her daughter, Buffy, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I noticed at the moment I poured the water that Mrs. Cobb left the cathedral. And I thought, well, maybe she's an old lady and she's sick and... And that night, Buffy called me, and she said, Did you notice how quickly Mother ran out of the cathedral? She said to her, The the baptistry was filled with a golden light, and she could hear a voice saying, Your daughter is now a child of God. And she became frightened. But I later on instructed Mrs. Cobb. And after I gave her first communion, she came back with a rosary. She said, I understand all this part here but what do you do with the tail? <laughs> well, it's not a tail. It's like a trunk of the of the elephant. It's what you start the rosary. That's the self-starter. Now the resurrection and the ascension and so forth. This is the mystery of faith. See, our faith is grounded on this notion. Unless there's a Good Friday in our lives, there will never be an Easter Sunday. Unless there's a cross, there will never be an empty tomb. Unless there is a union with Christ on Calvary, there will never be an Easter. So that we are always living in anticipation of something that is to come. Most people's lives are led very much like detective stories. They pick up a detective story and they they read it and they never know how it's going to end. And that's the way their lives are. Our lives are more like the great classics of literature, like Homer, like Shakespeare. They will open by simply telling you this is going to be a story of the tragedy of a wasted love. But it's made so interesting that you can't stop reading it. So we know the end at the beginning. That is why we think about the resurrection and ascension. And the Blessed Mother being assumed into heaven. Our faith is a great adventure. We know that if we have trials in this life and suffering, well, that first mystery is going to give us the resurrection and the resurrection of body as well as soul. And we know that we're going to ascend with Christ. Even, even the descent of the Holy Spirit, that is what is called in the scriptures an arabon. In Greek, it's a down payment on our future life. That word was used among the Greek people who would sell goods, and, as that we do today, and say, well, all right, we'll put down $20 down payment on this purchase of $100. So St. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit which we receive is a down payment of Christ on the glory that we are to receive later on. Our Blessed Mother's assumption into heaven. Why was she assumed into heaven? Because she suffered so much with our Lord. She fulfilled the law of Good Friday and Easter Sunday in her own life so perfectly that naturally her body should be assumed into heaven so that we have talk about women's rights why don't we ever talk about the Blessed Mother in heaven there is no other creature pure creature in heaven but the Blessed Mother Christ is God with the human nature but Mary is a creature with a human body and queen of the angels and saints there to intercede for us so our life therefore is an adventure I can remember I crossed the Atlantic about 30 times by boat and oh 100 times I suppose by plane I never crossed the Atlantic by boat without being seasick never Do you know what Ring Lardner said about seasickness? He said, the first half hour you're seasick, you are afraid you will die. And the next half hour you're afraid you won't. (laughs) Well, I can remember two trips in particular. One trip, there was a dog on the top deck in a big cage. Nobody could go near the cage. And the dog would not eat during the entire trip snapped at people, barked, as unfriendly as any beast could ever be. On another trip, there was another dog in that cage, and a little girl used to come up a half a dozen times a day, feed the dog, and other people, passengers, would come up and play with the dog and so forth. Now, this first dog is like so many people in this world. That are on the sea of life and don't know where they're going and so they snap at everybody else they're unhappy there's nothing really familiar to them they're not at home here and they'll never be at home in the next world they have no end they have no purpose now that's the little dog must have said to himself I don't know where I'm going either I, I, but there are no familiar smells here no green fields and no fire plugs nothing that I recognize but this I do know that my little mistress would never have put me on this boat unless someday I was going to a port and so I put all my trust in her now that's what we do With our faith. We know that someday there's a port. We're going to arrive. We know there's someone who is the captain of the ship. And we never will fail. So when we chant the glorious mysteries in the midst of the trials of this life, we think of the intercession of Our Lady, particularly as the Queen of Angels and Saints who will always protect us in our weaknesses and in our failures we have two lights in the heavens the book of genesis puts it god put two luminaries in the skies one the sun for the day the other the moon for the night The sun is the symbol of Christ. And always think of Christ when you see the sun. You see, he dies, sunset, and he rises. Francis Thompson says the day is a priest. And each morning the priest goes to the Orient Tabernacle, lifts from out it the host raises it in benediction over the world and at night sets it in the flaming monstrance of the west. One would be content to die if he could write a line of poetry like that. So the sun is Christ. Now the other luminary that God put in the heavens was the moon. That's for darkness. The moon is the symbol of Our Lady. So the moon is under her feet in the revelation of St. John in the last book of the Bible. The moon is for those in darkness. And I think in a special way for sinners. So that if we but look to her who is the moon and derives all light from the sun... They would never, We will never fall into an abyss. Now this is the rosary. Say it. Say, say the 15 mysteries every day. You don't need to be on your knees. I think the rosary is a good ambulatory prayer. Say it while you're walking. Sometimes there are little knots in the steering wheel of a car. Count them. If you've got ten... You got a decade. You can say a decade when you're waiting at the supermarket, as they will add up the cost of twenty-five ad- ad- items when you bought ten. You think they'll never stop, but you've always got time for one or two decades. If you play dummy at bridge, you got in a decade. And as you walk the streets, carry the rosary in your finger so that at the end of the day you've easily completed the fifteen decades. Now how this story got down to earth I have no idea. But it seems that one day our Lord was walking through the courts of heaven and saw some souls that got into heaven very easily. And he went to Peter and he said, Peter, I have given you charge of the kingdom of heaven. How did these souls gain entry into my kingdom? Peter said, don't blame me, Lord. Every time I close the door, your mother opens a window. <laughs> so if you're devoted to Our Lady, you'll never lose your soul. And we say to her, in the language of Mary Dixon's there, lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy tell me what to say did you lift him up sometimes gently on your knee did you sing to him the way mother does to me did you ever try telling him stories of the world and oh did he Do you think he cares if I tell him things? Just little things that happen. And do angels' wings make a noise? Can he hear me if I speak low? Does he understand me now? Tell me, for you know lovely lady dressed in blue teach me how to pray god was just your little boy and you know
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen presents, hosted by Al Smith. Well, my dear Radio Maria family, another program has come and gone, and uh, we have all been schooled by the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, What a great reflection on the Holy Rosary and uh, the many stories he recounts to Uh, The audience. uh, You can see by the applause at the end uh, that they really appreciated his wisdom. So I know that you uh, listening at home are also feeling the same. And so uh, please uh, spread the word of uh, this uh, program that we've been trying to share, uh, the uh, words of encouragement that this world so desperately needs. Uh, Archbishop Sheen, uh, for many of us, we kind of always have um, held him up as a saint even though the church has not declared him officially as a saint but uh, when you listen to his wisdom you know that um, i think he is um, what i like to call very close to god and uh, he strikes a chord uh, with all of us uh, because he gives us this peace um, almost like you say a peace that passes all understanding and that uh, when we listen to him uh, we know that uh he's telling us you're in good hands uh, when you uh trust in the lord when you ask uh, his mother to intercede for you and um he was very close to the blessed virgin mary and uh again we um will do serve ourselves well if we imitate him on that account uh to love uh the blessed mother as much as he loved her and um he said to uh, He said that, um, let me just get this right. Uh, He said, when I die, I hope that when I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, that he will hear our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ say, Fulton Sheen, you know, my mother spoke well of you. Please come enter into the kingdom that I have prepared for you. And uh, what a great testimony. We hope we hear the same words of our Lord, that he would say, my mother has spoken well of you. So let us trust in Mary. Let us continue to uh, journey on here in this earthly pilgrimage. And so everyone, look forward to seeing you next time here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. And until that time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. You have been listening to Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.